fresh off a rare win at St. Bonaventure, escaping some bad weather in the Buffalo area. We welcome you to the brand new edition of the Keith Ergo Show, your inside look at Fordham men's basketball. Andrew Bogus with you. Joined as always, happy to hang out with the man who I assume now is the all-time winningest visiting coach, at least in terms of percentage, in Riley Center history, the 2-0 Keith Ergo. Coach, what's up, man? I'll take it, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back on here, especially after a team after a big win like that. And you know that that um, I have an incredible amount of respect for Coach Schmidt. I think he's one of the best coaches in America, let alone in the Atlantic Ten. Certainly one of the best offensive coaches. Um, so, and obviously one of the toughest places to play. You know, I'm thankful that we went in there when it was uh, the threat of ridiculous. And although I don't think that really deters anybody from only in filling that arena, but the students weren't back in session, so that kind of helped a little bit. But it's funny, it was still packed. Like yeah. you did, right? You know, and we were just fortunate to get off to a pretty good start and take the take the the fan base out of it until that last three or four minutes where they made a run. Um, but I was so proud of our guys for kind of keeping their composure, you know, not folding uh, inside that last four minute, two minute timeout when they finally came back and tied it because we had been leading most of the game at that point so a lot of young teams and teams in the past that we've had here this year alone right we haven't been able to close that out so really proud of our development and our ability to to, to make the winning plays down the stretch uh and i'll say this with a smile on my face in a complimentary way uh you guys are super interesting at times uh <laughs> almost uh sometimes some things just don't even make sense coach i mean the, the gw win losing at home in LaSalle, winning this game up and down yeah. uh it's tough watching i can't imagine what it's like living through the highs and the lows right now yeah you know uh, we we know there's going to be peaks and valleys throughout the season we talked about that and and we believe that you know coming off the year that we had last year that this was going to be one of the most difficult years that we probably have had um in our coaching lives as well as here at Fordham because you know for the first time ever I would say maybe not for the first time ever but certainly in a long time there were high expectations um but we know you know a lot of things can happen we really hadn't been healthy um, we have a lot of young guys that are playing major roles and um, consistency was always going to be something that we were going to have to strive for over the course of, you know, the six month season. And, um, you know, our goal has always been to be the best team we can be by the end of the year. I know it sounds like coach speak, but that is the goal. That's what we talk about. And honestly, despite the loss at LaSalle, we, we are getting better. Guys are getting more comfortable. We're, we're becoming more connected we're getting a little bit more healthy. Um, we're starting to understand our roles a little bit more. Um, and that's 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 the goal is just to continue the process of getting better. Walk me through, though, the almost the, the daily process of, of selling the guys on the bumps and the bruises. I promise, guys, this is going to pay off when we get to January, February, and March, especially because a lot of these guys were here for 25 wins last year. So they're just not used to to losing yeah um you know it's, it's just we talk a lot about attitude in our program having an incredibly positive attitude not compounding the problem right so it's just like if you turn the ball over on one end if you're still thinking about that and worrying about it while you're sprinting back in transition or running back or jogging back and you're then you you make a mistake on the defensive end well now you turn one problem into two right so it's the same thing after a loss all right let's learn from it it's not what we wanted but let's let's do everything we can the next day or two uh, to make sure it doesn't happen again. And if it does, we come back to work and 
goal is to get 1% better, right? So we can't control what happened in the past. Let's learn from it. And let's just focus on making today the best day it can be because it's the next day. And our guys kind of get bought into that. And, you know, there's, there's some accountability that's, that's, that's had in our film rooms and on our court, but there's also a lot of positive energy as well. And, and that's what we have to continue to focus on. Uh, and we've done a pretty good job of that. Uh, on a lighter, grosser note, did you catch any shrapnel when Kyle got sick during the game? <laughs> no, but I got to tell you, it was one of my favorite moments that I've had since I've been coaching here. Yeah, the cameras caught you. Tell, like, like awesome. you say, you're telling the other guys this should be happening to you as they were coming sure. back to the huddle. Like, That's how hard you have to play. That, that to me is being a great teammate, right? Playing so hard that you're physically throwing up violently because you're playing so hard, right? Um, that's that's the energy, that's the effort uh, that we want a Fordham basketball player to uh, to give. And if you get five guys on the court at one time playing like that, I don't care. You're going to be in a lot of games, whether or not you win or lose. Most of the time, you're going to come out uh, on on top when you got guys that are willing to violently throw up because they just want to play so hard. That, that to me, is like it, it, you have no idea how happy I was. Let me stick with Kyle here for a second because when he was a freshman, um, he was a guy that you might have played one of these gimmicky defenses against where you let him be by himself and if he shoots it great and if it goes in, even better. But now he's hitting step-back threes, off the dribble, leaving his hand in the air at big at big moments. Where did all this offense come from as of late from him? Well, let's not talk about the step backs because I don't want that to be a okay. shot. But <laughs> listen, um, Kyle has become one of the most uh, consistent players we, we've had here because he he's become more of a consistent human being, both on and off the court. You know, he's gotten essentially he's gotten his degree already. He's done a tremendous job. Uh, he's getting a second major now. Um, he's in the gym. He's putting in more energy and effort in the gym than he ever has in his career. And as a result, when you're a little bit more consistent and legit off the court, you're more consistent and legit in all of your building, all of your day, daily habits, you become more mature. You're in your fifth year. Now you're starting to see the fruits of your labor, right? And when you're, when you're so focused on doing anything you can to help the team win, it's funny how your offense just seems to flourish because you're not even thinking about it. And that's what's happening now. And we're talking to him about not tasting the perfume, continue to be humble and hungry. And, and you could sniff it and you could smell it, but you know, let's not, you're the heart and soul of this team, how you play your energy and effort has really dictated how the rest of the team has played. Could care less if you score a point. Um, it's certainly nice when you do, but um he, he's got that mentality. It's funny because when we came in here and we took over the job, everybody told us to get rid of him, right? He didn't have the best reputation. Trey Woodall was coming from St. Bonaventure. Dave Paulson was coming. He was a consultant for us that first year from St. George Mason. He's, a, he's not an A-10 player. You got to get rid of this guy. We walk into the gym and the dude's in the gym taking shots. I'm like, what? He looks pretty damn good to us. I mean, we could work with someone like this. Um, and he was one of the few guys we kept. Um, and he wanted to be here. He wanted to be a Fordham man. And, you know, um, and, and I think what's more important to him right now, if you were to ask him, he understands his legacy is not on individual numbers right now. We're 500. 
Is that how you really want to be remembered? And you're the fifth year senior, you and Trell, right? Do you guys really want to be the guys that go 500? You guys want to finish, you know, completely uh, underachieve. And that's on their mind right now. That's their mentality. And that's all I'm talking to them about being more consistent and mature every single day off the court is really what will help you when you step on the court. Uh, let me go back to my question for a second. Is it, is it insulting to call it a gimmicky defense? If it was, I apologize. The triangle and two, every you guys are doing on, on Saturday. No, not at all. Of course I could care less what it's called. If it works, <laughs> it works. I gimmick, no gimmick. I'm not, I could care. I could get, I'm not going to curse like coach Patino. I haven't gotten to that point, but um, <laughs> I don't really give it about what you call yeah. it as long as it works. You know, the first time that, that Kyle did something like that. We asked him if it had a cool nickname or something. And he thought he responded like we were asking for state secrets. All, <laughs> and all we wanted was, Good. you know, because at that point, uh, you know, Jamie and Christian was walking into GW. He had a big like board with, he had, and he had names for everything. Three stops was this, five yeah. stops with this. Other guys have names for stuff. So all we wanted was like a cool nickname. And he looked at us like we were asking him to tell us, the biggest <laughs> secret he has explaining was basically was kind of like a box in one, but he would it. tell us nothing about it. It was amazing. I, you know what? That means he's a loyal soldier. I respect it. It's good. <laughs> uh, there's no give. We don't have a nickname. We do have a name for the defenses, but you know, it's nothing. It's nothing special. Actually started to see a few more people play it actually, believe it or not. So I did hear one good name when you guys play a one, three, one, I think that's, that's what it is. And Jaffe is running the baseline or a guard on the baseline. That's the yes. warrior spot. That is the there's specific names for the positions, and that's not we can't take credit for that. Coach Beeline, um, you know, designed the one three one, and we took it from Coach Beeline. And I'm fortunate enough to have some of the terminology that he used. Uh, but the name for the defense is, is the Bronx, so you know, that's that's really the only cool name that we have for okay. one of our defenses, is, is we call that the Bronx. But uh, the position, his his is the warrior position. The monster is the guy up top. Those two are working harder than anybody. Now, as you're going through this game on Saturday, I'm I'm texting with people that are there around and wondering how you guys are going to get out. And then yeah. heard the flights were canceled. How did you guys get get out of there Saturday? Well, you know they they put a weather uh, a travel advisory for 9 p.m. Saturday. I guess during the game they had bumped it up like seven <laughs> hours. <laughs> And once they had said that, you know, we had said, okay, well, why don't you fly south, jump on the plane, fly south an hour and a half to Elmira. We'll drive south and meet you and we'll fly home. They couldn't, by the time they even thought about doing that, they had already canceled everything and shut down everything. Friday night we flew in. We couldn't fly into Olean either. That was the pain in the butt. We flew to Buffalo and it took us over two and a half hours to get from Buffalo to our hotel because we went through an ice and blizzard storm then. Um, that was that was more difficult. But right after the game, we knew we weren't going to be able to fly out. So we jumped in the bus and we got the heck out of there. And it was, you know, a hell of a lot more enjoyable after a, a win five and a half hour to six hour bus ride than it would have if, if we hadn't come on top. Yeah, I've um, I think maybe I've made this trip more than you at the moment. It's only twice for you unless you did it as one of, as an assistant. Um, so I've no, done we all did. We, we went the first year. It, it wasn't uh, Darius got hurt and we got blown out. No, I mean, even I was I was counting your third your three years here. If you went there with a different school, because no, between, never been. Okay, never so been. between three, men, three years in a row. yeah, between men and women as a student for WFUV, 
I made that trip a lot. I turned 21 on one of those trips to Olean. <laughs> one year, they split the ride to Binghamton. This is the same year. So I turned 21 in Binghamton, coming home from a Bonaventure game. I was there one time did for- Did you make it think, home or did you stay overnight in Binghamton? Uh, no, we, we, we made it home. I only get messed up at Christmas line. parties these days. <laughs> um, another time we were there for almost a week doing a men's and a women's game. Whoa. It's, it's, it's been a lot and uh, I don't need to ever need to go back there again, but I was there for the very first Fordham <laughs> win there. So I do have that on my resume. It's, you know what? Um, you should it's, go it's, once. It's my father-in-law is, is a alumnus of St. Bonaventure and, you know, it's, it's grown a little bit, right? So you got your Applebee's there, but yeah. Um, you know, when you're a basketball player and a basketball coach, you're, you're treated like a pro and they love their program. They got ridiculous tradition and there's a reason why they've been so successful. Uh, speaking of tradition and success, Rose Thrill was alive and well a year ago. Um, I'd, I'll, I'll speak for you for a second. We certainly can take it up another notch inside the gym this year. Uh, hopefully people listening now can get up to campus on Wednesday night. Uh, there are new Atlantic 10 mini plans available. I'll be a good salesman right now. Uh, on the website, it's a five-pack of tickets for conference games the rest of the way. Uh, it's certainly a good spot to get in because no matter how well you guys are playing, we saw last year, especially second semester, how significant a bump that student section and a full house gave you guys. Listen, the reality is when that place is full, specifically with the students, it is one of the best home court advantages in the country. Every single opposing coach came in here and said the same thing. They'd never seen it before, at least in their tenure. Mark, Mark Schmidt said, look, I've been coming here a long time. It's been 75% Bonaventure fans. We can't even get 5% in here this year. What a difference it made. I mean, every single coach that played here last year, especially in that last, you know, league games anyway, said this is one of the best home court advantages we've seen, not only in this league, but in the country. So if they're saying that, our fan base has to under, understand what kind of energy it brings to our, our student athletes and our campus when our students are literally on top of the opposing team. It creates so much pressure on free throw line situations in timeouts. OK, and I'll be real with you. We haven't had that yet. We had it, I think, opening night against Wagner and it propelled us to an overtime victory. We had it a little bit against Cornell and it propelled us from 27 down to legitimately having a shot to win it. Right. Other than that, we haven't had a full student section, not one time. And that's typical because we've played a few games um, here while the students are on break. But moving forward, the students are on campus. It is, they bring so much life to this campus. They bring so much energy to our team. You know, we need, we need to have that place rocking. It is an incredible environment and it is worth 10 points. I'm telling you that from referees getting excited to our guys getting excited to the extra dives and charges, the plays that guys are, they want to perform at their highest level. And at the very least, they play so much more, and it's easy. You're not supposed to play for people in the stands, but it's human nature. And people in the stands are a little bit different than students, your own peers, guys you're walking to class with, girls you're walking to class with, you're on campus with. Man, it was electric last year. And in order to build something that's sustainable for the future here at Fordham, 
and every program has gone through this. We need consistent and sustainability from the fan base, specifically the student body. They will help carry this team into March and help propel us to become the best team we can be by the end of the year. And I promise you, if we do become that, there's going to be a heck of a lot of excitement here because we have a lot of talent and depth. We just need to continue to grow. Yeah, and I can say this as, a, again, a student and been around the program now for a long time. I think that the step that you, the program needs to take is that it just people just go to the game, that it doesn't matter who you're playing, whether yes. it's a school you never heard of before or it's Dayton, whatever it is, that the it's just a habit to go to the game. Duke is an extreme example, but Cameron's always full and yeah. it's always crazy. It doesn't, whether they're playing little sisters of the poor or they're playing North Carolina, that place is ready to go. And that's what you're trying to get that no matter who's the other team, the crowd is there ready to back you guys up. I mean, the reality is everywhere we go in the Atlantic 10, look at St. Bonaventure, look at everywhere, Loyola, Chicago, look at, you know, I came from Villanova, right? So Villanova wasn't went through their stretches of, of misery Right. I, when I first started at Villanova, Jay Wright used to walk out for the, the national anthem and be like, what is going on here? Uh, you know, but all of a sudden over energy and consistency and sustainability, next thing you know, it is you can't get tickets. Well, that's what Fordham could be. Right. There, there's no excuse for it not to be. It, it brings so much life and energy to the campus and the community. Um, and, and it raises the level. And listen, if you want a successful, sustainable basketball program, you need recruits and recruits want to come to places that are packed and passionate about it. That's reality. That's why a place like only in New York, St. Bonaventure, people are willing to go there, even though there's nothing around. It's in the middle of nowhere, seven feet of snow, because every time you walk into that gym, it's packed and they love you. We can and, build that here. Yeah. And if you can, I tell you what, this place could be incredibly special. And there's a handful of guys who are playing really, really well right now for those fans that come and see. I want to go through a couple of names here. Already got to Kyle Rose. Uh, Jafe Madur, another big shot late at Bonaventure. He seems to want the ball, want the shot whenever you guys need it. That's not a thing you can you coach, right? That's natural. That's just who he is. That is. Um, he needs to become even more and more confident, more confident. Uh, not selfish. Um, he needs to understand that his role is to take whether or not you make it's to take the big shots. Our team needs that from him. Our team is looking for that for him. Um, we need him on the floor and not fouling in order to be there consistently and in a rhythm to take those, which he did a tremendous job at St. Bonaventure, whereas against LaSalle, sitting next to us in crucial minutes because he has three fouls, um, two of which are 50 feet from the basket and just lack discipline, but that's part of his growth. He knows it, and he's upset at himself when he does it. And if you look at the games where he's consistently playing 28, 30 minutes, we're winning those games for the most part um, because he's electric and he's dynamic and you can't leave him and they have to focus on him, and it provides other opportunities for other guys as well. Elijah Gray, the last three or four games, there seems to be something different about him too. Did something just click here midway through his sophomore year? No, I, he's just incredibly talented. We know what we have in Elijah. He's become more mature in his ability to move on to the next play, 
not get so emotional when things don't go his way. He's still a long way from being what he wants to be, which is great. Nobody holds themselves accountable as much as I've seen Elijah Gray, but he's got so much raw talent and the ability. Now he's defending at a much higher clip and staying out of foul trouble himself. Um, and he's a mismatch at any position, whether or not it's at the four, he's a mismatch on most four men in the post. He's a mismatch on the perimeter at the five. Now he's defending multiple positions and we're able to switch and he's able to keep guys in front of him without fouling. That has been the biggest addition to his game. He's learning how to defend hard without fouling and that's keeping him on the floor. And as a result, he's becoming more consistent with the ball in his hands too. Uh, this one might be just for me. This is kind of my um, like little mini current basketball crush right now. Ramad Dean, every time he gets out there, coach, he's doing something. He's jumping for offensive rebounds, knocking down corner threes, hustling everywhere. I know he's never going to be out there for maybe he will one day, 25, 30 minutes, but he just seems to give you max effort and the actual production now more so than, than last, you know, maybe the beginning of the season. Working as hard as he ever has in his career, earning that, earning the minutes, earning the shots. The, the the problem with Ramad is he plays um, what we call the small forward position. He's not quite ready skill-wise to play the one through the three, we would say. So the most loaded position we have is that small forward position with Elijah Gray when he plays it. You got Ramad Dean. You got a lot. You got um, – you know, Josh Rivera, who's been out, but came back and gave us some great minutes. Then you have Jameer Tripp, who's kind of playing that sometimes. So um, that's really the most loaded position we have. So it's um, and it's not offense for him. It's more defensively. Right. He's got the speed, the athleticism to be able to switch multiple positions and keep guys in front of him. That's what he's learning. He's becoming much more detailed in his scouting reports and understanding personnel. On the defensive end, offensively, we know what he's able to give us. He's, he can stretch the floor. He can um, fly in for offensive rebounds and play hard. But, you know, he's really good at what we call the Bronx. He's good at the top of our 3-2. Um, but he's got to become more consistent in our man-to-man, -man, which he's been doing. And that's why he's earning more minutes. You guys and fans want to see the offense, which he provides. But, if you know, if the defense is in there, we pride ourselves on defending rebounding. That that's where he's grown and evolved, and that's why he's seeing more minutes. Yeah, and and I know your defense first, and if that makes total sense, but all of a sudden, and the numbers are not always pretty, but you're a pretty good offensive team right now, Coach. We're 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 very good offensively, and it's um, that's what I mean by the ceiling, right? Um, we have not defended and rebounded consistently to call our identity, which we pride ourselves on stops and rebounds, um, getting kills, which for us is three stops in a row without a foul, without an offense, giving up an offensive rebound. It's literally a stop and a rebound, three in a row is called a kill. And we believe if we have seven or more of those, we're, we're not losing. That's a game goal of ours that we have on our game goal sheet. Um, we're not even close right now to, 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 to seven, kills in a game we haven't had more than five so to win the games the way we are to me that shows incredible promise and why i say this team has a higher ceiling than teams in the past is because we're not defending and rebounding like we want to or believe we can but we are scoring 80 points <laughs> so this team has the ability to score 80 plus points they also have the ability to keep teams to 65 or lower we just haven't done it
And when we get consistent on both ends of the floor and can score 75 plus and hold teams to 65 or lower, which I think this team is capable of being, that could be March. But if it is, this team could be really good. And they know that. They take pride in that. We can't keep saying we take pride in getting getting stops and rebounds and giving up 75 points a game. It's not going to work for us. Uh, I'll ask you now the same question I asked you after LaSalle when you lost that game after the GW win. Bonaventure's another win that seemed like it could be a jumping off point for you guys to get on a run. How do you do? How do you carry Saturday to Wednesday? And do you openly talk about that with the guys? Like, guys, this is a win that we're supposed to build off of. Let's go consolidate with a big effort on Wednesday. No, I, I we just focused on today. Um, they under. I mean, they know. They know. Yeah. The reality is, we just got to get better today. This team lacks consistency, the experience, and really the maturity. And that's why you see inconsistency. They lack the attention to detail or have the attention to detail every single day, understanding what every possession means, every scouting report, every practice, every rep, building the habits that are going to take over in the most difficult situations. And that's something we're continuously talking about on a daily basis. Um, and we have gotten better. That's why you're starting to see more consistent play for the most part. Um, but we have to do it every single day because we can't just show up on game night and expect to win games and outscore people. Uh, that's just not reality, certainly not in the Atlantic 10. And we can't be a feel-good team, right? So when things are going our way offensively, we're playing great and playing hard. When things aren't, we look the part of, of – you know, we let that affect our our energy and our effort. And to get to where we're trying to go, we got to be able to win a game 48 to 46 if we have to, regardless of whether or not the fans are happy or not. That's what the mentality has to become. And so that starts in practice. That starts with leadership. That starts with consistency. Slowly but surely, we're getting that on a daily basis by more and more guys. I think the line from the office is I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. Uh, with, with that in mind, <laughs> GW went on the road. Bonaventure went on the road. A couple of tough losses at home. You want to wear maroon Wednesday? You guys want to wear your warm-ups, <laughs> not suits on Wednesday, just to give it a kind of a road game feel? You know, it's funny. I thought about that, the suits part, not the red part. But yeah, I thought about the suits part. But um, I, I've made a commitment to my my father and my mother as long as my parents are alive and and probably forever to honor my father, as long as I'm the head coach at Fordham to honor my father, uh, we'll be wearing suits. They're already angry enough that I don't wear a tie. So, <laughs> you know, that's the concession that I've made, but I got to be honest with you, riding back in that play, I was like, man, we're, we're, we're doing quite well in these comfortable clothes, but yeah. Uh, and I sweat less, but um, <laughs> I, you know, for us, it's, it's, I, I, I got to try not to come up with gimmicks like you say. Right. Uh, and I got to be consistent and just, you know, have our guys understand it's, it's, it's just who we want to become. Uh, I want you to give you a chance here to close to defend the conference because people like to point out when okay. St. Joe's, you know, at a conference looks good. And I was zero and three in the league, depending what today's result is. It's a joke. You know, 
So I, I'll just, I don't mean to cut you off, but like yeah. we got eight teams in the top 100 in the net, something like that today, at least eight, right, Andrew? Eight teams. So like what other leagues have eight teams in the top 100? Like power Big five conferences? Yeah. Power four? Like, so, so, you know, and at one point I think we might've had 10. Okay. So all of that, it, it's just complete and utter nonsense. If you're going to like, the reality is the Atlantic 10 is really good this year from top to bottom. There are more, um, I don't have it on me, but there's a, a bunch of statistics that this year's Atlantic 10 non-conference going into conference play is almost identical or even better than however many years ago where they got six teams in. The conference statistics are better than when they had six teams in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, it's just everybody can do whatever they want, say whatever they want. It's so easy, right? They're feeding into the narrative of the NCAA. Like, who wants to see the 11th and 12th best team in a league over four or fifth team in another league. Like I, I, it's just, I don't comprehend why um, we don't get the respect that we deserve the coaches, the fan bases, the institutions, the programs look to judge teams off of, what they do in November. Well, then every Ivy league, th th there should be six Ivy league teams in the NCAA tournament. Then, then give them the at-large bids. But if you're going to provide transfer portal, every kid can go wherever they want, whenever they want every year, free agency, essentially in April, you're going to provide NIL. So the highest bidder is going to steal the best two to three players off of any mid-major Atlantic 10 team. Right. Okay. So everywhere, Come November, certainly for the next for the first three to four weeks, you have a brand new team, or at least very few teams other than Ivy League teams have exactly the same five to eight to nine guys coming back. So it takes a while, and you don't really get that out of scrimmages and even, you know, it takes a couple of games to get in rhythm, get in roles, figure out what's going on, learn how to play with each other. You can only do it so much in practice, right? That's why you saw. Ivy leagues upset everybody because they're the oldest, most connected teams because they don't transfer until their eligibility is done. Rightfully so. So older, more connected teams always win in the first month of the season, month and a half. And that's, that was evident this year. So like to judge teams based off of November is ridiculous. And not to mention the net scoring margins count. So, if you win a game by two, you don't go up that much. But if you beat a 300 team by 35, you shoot up 100 spots. Like, it's 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 it doesn't make any sense. So you want teams that are up 20 with five minutes to play, four minutes to play, to keep their starters in and win by 30 because it's going to boost you up 20 more spots tomorrow in the net as opposed to getting younger guys more experience or with two minutes to play, you're up 20, you put some walk-ins, you bust their ass every day, and all of a sudden you only win by 14 and you drop because of every five or 10 points. 
or you want to blow teams out by 30 or 35 and get someone fired. It, it's yeah, asinine. But anyway, the Atlantic 10 is legit. It's proven that. And, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. Unbelievable coaches, unbelievable fan bases, basketball-centric conference. How do you not want to reward that? And legit players. I mean, high-end players in this league. Every single program has high major kids that came down or mid-major kids that came up that could have gone and played everywhere else. Like, look at it. I mean, Deron Holmes is as good as anybody in the country. Took himself out of the draft. Like, you tell me there's a big in the country. I don't care if it's Hunter Dickinson. Deron Holmes is more of a pro prospect than any of them. Because he's shooting threes now. The kid, he's like... You're telling me he's Obi Toppin was national player of the year candidate. How is he not? Look at his numbers. I saw a tweet, even Seth Davis or someone. Deron Holmes is the most, um, the best player nobody knows about. How does nobody know about him? They play on national television every and, night. And he's they not new. On national TV. Look at his numbers. And he's doing it. And by the way, they 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 played a ridiculous schedule. Yeah. It's just. And by all accounts, he's a great dude, too. It's yeah. a guy that everybody should know about. It's just and like uh, you look at the injuries, look at things that people go through. I just think it's it's absurd. Um, and it's so evident that the Atlantic 10 is legit. Even if, if you just want to go by the net, which is the end all be all right now. At one point, we had 10 teams, I think, in the top 100. Right now, we have eight or nine. So like what? Yeah, it, it's eight right now. I just picked it up in front of me. It's so eight. So it's eight. And then how many in the top 125? Probably 10. Uh right. Loyola gets in at 121. So that's nine. And then Davidson at 134 would be next. Okay. So top 150. You, you only have 15 teams in the conference. You're talking about 11 out of the or 10 out of the 15, right? Yeah. And God, GW is 151. Okay. So like what are we talking about? Like, you know, 80 something percent of the, the league is in the top 150 in the country, you know, yeah. and you just beat a team that had some legit non-conference power five wins. It's just the majority. And you tell me this, when we played St. Bonaventure, it was quad one win. Yeah. Until you and beat them. Not. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah. Someone said quad two wins, two and oh, quad one. Like what? It should count when you beat them. Yeah. How does that? I don't get it. Yep, you made them drop out of quad, made it made it a quad two win by beating them. It's 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 mind boggling to me. I don't comprehend it, but whatever. You guys as a, as a coaching group, you should start leaking out the names of the bigger schools that won't play you to show how dangerous your league is. You name it, nobody will. Yeah. So John Rothstein and all these folks that say this and that, and well, help us. And 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 what's his name said the same thing. Um. Um. Chris Mooney said, okay, well, let's hire John Rothstein to set things up. And he said, you know, because apparently all these teams will play us. Well, no, they won't. No, they won't. Now, fortunately, St. John's played us at the Garden, right? You know, but like, and I don't, I don't blame them. Why would you? They get, they're given, essentially because of the reputation, they're given 20 quad one the Big East, the Big Ten, the ACC, they all play 20 league games. The Big 12, they're given 20 quad one, quad two opportunities. It's, it's of course, they could win five. 
they could win five league games and have more quad ones than anybody else. Right. Yeah, they, they don't they don't need to take any chances. You want to take that. a below 500 power five team because they have more quad ones, but they're below 500 and below 500 in the league. It's the dumbest formula in the history of yeah. sports. And they're probably pissed that they're under 500 in their league too. They think their year is, a, you know, it's a down year and they still go in the Disaster, you're getting fired, but you're yeah. going to go against double tournament over a, a team like us who was 25 and eight or even the NIT. Like, what, think about what the NIT did. They're going to take the 10th or 11th best team instead of the third or fourth best team in the Atlanta 10. Who wants to watch that? <laughs> yep. It's all for gambling, maybe for money. I'm sorry, I'm... No, uh, they're just they're protecting the, their baby. I don't care. It's yeah, they're protecting their own. What a joke! It's yeah. an absolute joke. Well, as always, I got you riled up. Sending you back off in the real world. Thanks as always, Coach. Sorry, sorry. Ah, you wanted me to defend the league. I, yeah, I, it is what it is, and I'm just a, a rookie essentially. But like you're telling me, Anthony Grant is one of the best coaches in America. If you look at what he went through personally last year, plus professionally with his starting backcourt are you kidding me and still makes it to the finals of the Atlantic 10 tournament like this year loses his starting backcourt and look what they're doing like the guy's incredible hey you know it's just you're some of the best coaches in America coaching in this league and I, I just don't understand why they don't go into the respect that they deserve all right one not deserve one uh one last congrats on Saturday good luck on a Wednesday and uh thank you as always for hanging out it's always a blast Appreciate you guys. Let's fill the thrill on Wednesday night. We need all the students to come out, please. We love you. It creates so much energy. Uh, please understand how important it is. Thank you. Go Rams. <laughs>